Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. And on. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Curtis Bent, VP of Customer Success at MarketJoy, one of the leading B2B lead generation and sales development companies in the U.S. He specializes in scalable, viable, and quality-driven lead generation and telesales. And he has over 28 years of success with call centers in the U.S., Canada, India, the Philippines, Grenada, and the Dominican Republic. Curtis is a top-tier manager for training and growth of an outbound sales team, and he's an expert in call center system design, implementation, and outsourcing of internal campaign management and has proven success in both inbound and outbound sales campaigns. Curtis has worked with companies like CBS, Ziff Davis, Techstars, and The Vault. Curtis, thank you for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for having me. For sure. For sure. So um, can you first just kind of walk us through your background so we can get to know a little bit more about um, your experience with sales development and kind of uh, how you got into the business? Sure. Absolutely. Um, You know, you gave a pretty good overview of my background. I've done it. I've been involved with outbound operations for both, you know, lead generation and sales for the last, you know, just about 30 years. You know, initially started off on the sales front, you know, managing call centers, understand the dynamics of what it took to make a campaign successful. Then moved into uh, design development front where I would launch a tiger team to prove out certain client campaigns. They would come to us with a product. We would test it to see if it could be sold over the phone. If our findings show that a certain number of widgets could be sold per hour or per day, and if that fit within the client's marketing margin, we would then have a proven campaign that would be a pay performance basis, but with a proven track record. At that point, I got involved in outsourcing and scaling those efforts. So once you have that platform built, it's a good template to hand that guide off to another center, have them duplicate what you're doing in-house. But really, it's that diving in and that attention to detail in that launch that really I found was the most successful is not just handing them a script or a series of procedures, but getting in, getting to know their management team, getting to know their management style, getting to know their call center, their call center vibe, assist them with managing reports, KPIs, working with reps, and really making certain the success was there. Then moved into lead generation, where, like you said, I was able to uh, have the privilege of building out uh, internal SDR teams for 
CBS Interactive, you know, CNET, Ziff Davis, uh, a couple of large publishing companies, and also now uh, serve as the VP of uh, Customer Success for MarketJoy, which is, in fact, a lead gen um, platform as well. Awesome. That, that's a ton of experience on all fronts of sales development and lead generation. And I want to get into each of those so we can kind of learn the nuances of how you are able to complete those tasks and, uh, you know, become successful at what you're doing. So I'll start with uh, what you first mentioned, the dynamics of what it takes to make a campaign successful. So we're talking both with cold email and with uh, cold calling. Is that right? Correct. Awesome. And what would you say just kind of a, a high level overview of things that you know for sure need to be within a campaign to make it successful? Well, you know, you're looking at slightly different variations of the same answer regarding either call center operations, outbound phone calls, or outbound emails. You know, on an outbound, let's say, call center front, the first thing you need to do is establish a proven path of least resistance from the initial outbound dialing all the way through to the scheduling of a demonstration or a sales call all the way through to the conversion into an opportunity and then obviously into a closed one deal. So when you're building out a call center campaign, that's really the first stage is understanding what value um, your product or service brings to a prospective customer and then write your scripting around that. Um, now, in fine-tuning scripting, that's going to be a lot of interacting with the team as well as a lot of call reviews and seeing what happens on the front line. There's always a difference between what might work in theory and what works in practice. Um, so a good technique that I've used in just working through that path of least resistance in a phone script is simply identifying key points where interruptions happen. Um, if you take a team of 10 reps and you give them a script and they're all in different rooms and you ask them to put a dot in that scripting area wherever they're interrupted and make a note of what that interruption was, when you pull all those 10 reps into their room at the end of the day, you're going to see they all have clusters of spots at basically the same areas in that presentation. Um, that being said, there are going to be similar result or reasons for those spots as well. So uh, what I've found works is you take whatever that objection is, whatever setting that alarm, that red flag that goes up that makes the customer say, wait, I'm not so sure about this, and you answer it ahead of time. Um, a very simple example of that would be a team that's reaching out and every time they, somebody picks up the phone and they start to present their product, they're told, I don't have time, I'm busy. You know, well, mm, if you go into definitely. the call and, yeah, yeah, everybody's going to run into that. And if you go into the call and say and acknowledge it ahead of time, you know, hi, this is Curtis calling from MarketJoy. I know you're busy, so I'll be brief. What you've done there is you've addressed that issue before it's become an issue and put the contact on alert or defense or, you know, what is this call about? And that was just a simple example. You could dig deeper down into the presentation and you can have that in any section. Um, it's also important to have your scripting broken out by individual sections, intro, body, close, uh, close to, and make certain that the team understands what the objective of each of those sections are. Um, when an agent has achieved that part of that script, it, they move on to the next part. 
if the team finds that any of those sections are posing a challenge, well, that is allows you to uh, drill down and find out why that might be. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, and the email furnace, yeah, and the email furnace kind of more of the same, uh, slightly different KPIs and uh, data points. Um, there, you're going to be looking for is the subject line engaging customers? Do you see an open rate? Are people looking at your copy? Um, if not, then you want to review that subject line. You know, shorter is better. Um, if you can personalize it, that's great. Once they open that email, what's happening? Are they reading through it and ignoring it? You know, that might mean you have too much information in there. Are they just brushing it off? What attention grabber are you opening the email with? You have to remember people get hundreds of emails a day. Um, also, are they clicking through to maybe a link to your site, but not responding in response to actually becoming a lead for your company? So in that respect, you want to really look at the value proposition and how that feeds into the call to action to engage a customer to respond back and schedule a meeting rather than just do some additional research. But either way, the call center or email, the first step is establishing that path of least resistance and stamping it into policy and procedure operations that can then be managed and further scaled when the time comes. Gotcha, gotcha. Let's take a look at the other side and kind of where are you finding the prospects? How are you? Are you qualifying them, pre-qualifying them uh, before you're reaching out? What does that process look like, uh, the list you're using? Well, the list that we use varies greatly, which is one of the great opportunities of working with a company like MarketJoy is you become familiar with numerous products and numerous targets and verticals that are out there and how to work within them. So with a calling list or a outbound email list, what we prefer to do is build it out real time as it's needed. So for an example, when a client comes on board with MarketJoy, what we're going to do is we're going to identify what is your target focus and who do you want to get your team in front of. Then we're going to go to work and we're going to start building out that data. Uh, we'll start with a list of companies. We'll start by adding two or three contacts to there. And then we have kind of a secret sauce of how to work those two or three contacts into identifying who the decision maker is. But by building it out right then and there, what you know is that you have the most current information. And that's one thing is positions change, roles change, companies change so quickly that if you were to buy a list off the shelf from a company, you know, you're going to have a percentage of it that just simply isn't relevant anymore. So I would say build it out real time. Um, it takes a lot of labor to do that but it's worth it in the long run. And again, obviously, if you can identify a company that can do that for you and it makes sense, you know, there's always that option. Mm, definitely. When it comes to testing out a campaign, what do you see as the biggest, you know, hinges for campaign success when it comes to not just getting your email open and read, but let's say if you're working with a customer who needs sales appointments or they're coming to MarketJoy because they want to get more appointments, they're in B2B, and they're looking for you to kind of facilitate that. How big of the, the, the process or when it comes to um, actually getting someone scheduled for an appointment, what have you seen that really not just grabs attention, but engages people and, and gets them to reply and take action? Absolutely. Um, it's tough in email. When you're over the phone, you have that dialogue where you can really, you know, pivot and uh, address where the conversation's heading. 
With email, you don't have that opportunity and you have very, very limited real estate in which to convey a message that's got to catch attention, give value, possibly differentiate you from a competition and a call to action all within a, you know, a couple of paragraphs, preferably a couple of lines. So in regards to what we find works with email campaigns is, you know, the shorter, the better. Uh, we I tend to look at a challenger type approach which if you're familiar with that, one of the first steps is a reframe. You know, what you're really looking for is what is the one thing that you tell your customers that gives them an aha moment, something they think they know mm-hmm. that they didn't really know quite in that context. Because when you enter a conversation educating the customer, you have their attention a lot more than if you go in saying, hey, look, we're market joy and we're great. Something to the effect of, you know, 70% of sales reps spend too much time prospecting, and that could be time spent invested in closing, which is what you need them to do and where their specialties lie. Facts, value props such as that, objective outside of just your service, but relating to that industry can catch the uh, individual's attention. Uh, Immediately from that, you're going to want to plug in value propositions, you know, bullet points of why you need them to get on the phone. Now, this might not be the total of why they need to buy your product because there's a difference. This is why they need to get on the phone with you. Uh, You're not trying to write a one-page email that makes someone necessarily buy your product. You're trying to create enough intrigue to ask them to reach out and learn more. So plugging in those value props of what could be engages that curiosity. Offering any sort of content during that demo call helps. Uh, whether it be best practices, case studies, et cetera, additional content that you can provide them so they know that during that call, you know, they'll have something else to mull over as well. And then also identify what the time frame is for that call. You know, if it's a quick 15, 20 minute discovery call check-in, you know, make sure that that is outlined. So when an individual who's responding, they want to know what they're committing to. And it's much easier to say, sure, I'll give you 15 minutes next week. I'd like to hear more and, you know, collect this data and see, and then you've got that conversation established. Whereas if you left that out, nobody has open-ended amounts of time. So make sure you've clarified that. And then the call to action on an email, what I find has worked extremely well is referencing it as a matter of courtesy. You know, it's not, hey, here we are. This is why we're great. Let's get on the phone. It's more of, hey, did you know this? Well, also, we can do this and we can do this. Out of respect for your time, I'd rather not just call blindly and interrupt your day. So what I tend to do is reach out and see if there's a time this week when we can schedule some time out of respect for your schedule and your busyness. That creates a more personalized approach. You see a better response. When I was just at the 10-bound conference, there was a presentation that stood out and it was a reference to 20% of personalization in an email will order will equal 40% higher engagement in that copy. Mm. So yeah, make sure it's personalized. If you can include the, obviously the contact's name, their company, their industry, um, anything you can make it so it seems unique, even if it's done on a mass scale, will help that success rate on an email campaign. So you've noticed that the more intimate knowledge you have of their company or the, or the industry, and if you can display that to them, or show that in an email that that increases response rates? Correct, correct. But there's also a balance there as well. Because if you have a team of reps and they're doing, you know, 20 minutes of research, 
on a company prior to sending an email, you're not going to see the volume. You need to really get those results. So the skill there is to create copy that can be and seems personalized, but yet still can be sent on a mass level, you know, and not talking like a Marketo type email blast just to everybody, but even in small spurts going through and targeting certain areas to set these leads, you still want to do it on some sort of a volume level. Definitely, definitely. I want to talk about the interesting things you guys are doing at Market Joy with some startup incubators and kind of how you're partnering and helping startups with lead generation. Can you discuss that for a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Market Joy is in a unique spot. We usually operate at about 25% of what it costs a company to duplicate our efforts in house. And we operate very quick and we're a results-based industry. It's all month to month. There's no contracts. You know, we know it's a results-based industry. We look at every campaign as bring it on. We're becoming partners with our clients and we're going to make this work. In regards to that, we find a good fit with incubators and startups, such as there's the vault in San Francisco. There's uh, Techstars. Uh, we're honest, actually launching a group of 13 companies through the vault Korea. We're in process of doing that now. What we find is that we're able to lay the groundwork and get the momentum going that allow the company to show bookings, to show revenue that attracts further investors, even if they don't have a full sales team. A lot of these startups will be a CEO, engineer, maybe a salesperson is out there, you know, beating the bushes, collecting what they can, closing where they can, attending trade shows. But if you're going to scale that beyond that, you need an approach that just feeds that individual with those sales meetings so they can stay almost stationary and just go from sales meeting to sales meeting. And MarketJoy is able to do that for these startups. So we're able to open those doors, get those engagements going, start getting those bookings and opportunities flowing. And for the startups that we work with that are off, you know, outside the U.S., we're able to establish a database for them as well build out that data that will be used for all future marketing. And we do find a great fit there. And it's great to help companies get up, get going and get started. For sure. What differences do you see when you're meeting or talking with a startup versus when you're talking with you know, a much larger company? Um, what are some of the, the nuances when it comes to generating leads for a startup? Maybe they're bringing a completely new product to the market and need help with the messaging or, or kind of what does that process look like and how does it differ? Well, the process itself remains relatively the same where we'll do a deep dive kickoff call, collect the information, and then we'll go to work on our end and we'll build out some sample templates as well as some sample data that the client would approve and then we would move forward. The difference between startups and larger, more enterprise startup type solutions are companies. A startup uh, doesn't have maybe a lot of that marketing material to pull from. So, you know, you have to roll your sleeves up a little bit. You have to dig in. You have to really understand, you know, okay, this product, where's the value to it? Who's the audience? We actually have some B2C type products that we're reaching out to large retailers and opening meetings for their buying agents to get them in that way. So there's always an approach in a way, it's just helping them navigate where they're going to see the biggest bang for their buck as well. You know, you wanna get them the largest yielding accounts that close the quickest. 
On an enterprise type front, you'll find a lot more established marketing material. Often it'll be a scaling of something they have internally for a diversification, which is another thing MarketJoy does extremely well is run alongside existing teams. Um, Also, what we find with larger enterprises is they can use a company like MarketJoy as kind of a tip of a spear for further research. We have a company that through our marketing and testing different verticals, uncovered that law enforcement was a tremendous vertical for them that they really hadn't understood. And now they're going and they've got a full marketing packet around it. They're building terminology and products catered to this industry, and they're seeing good success on that. We have another company that's uh, utilizing us to help build out a U.S.-based opt-in database. When you look at companies Mm -hmm. like GDR or uh, situations like GDRP in the EU, or Castle in Canada, you have these regulations. The U.S. has been pretty good on keeping B2B communications open, but a larger and larger enterprises are looking at getting ahead of that curve. So MarketJoy has devised a strategy to provide content syndication while creating an opt-in database and still identifying hand raisers for these clients. And so we see enterprises you know, looking at more of using us to test certain areas while they keep their main machine going as they know it goes. And with startups, it's a little bit more frontline, you know, a little bit more guerrilla aspect in regards to, okay, where are we going to market? What's the message? How do we cover the most ground in the shortest period of time? Definitely. Now, I want to get to talking about, uh, you mentioned, you know, markets are running alongside sales teams, existing sales teams. So definitely to touch on that. But um, first, I just want to ask any sort of big mistakes that you see in the sales development, cold outreach process that we haven't touched on yet. Is there anything that you know you see time and time again if some people come to you and say, hey, we've been trying to run these sales development campaigns, they're not working. Is there any sort of glaring uh, problems that you see in those time and time again? I would say on a call center front, for internal SDR teams, I would say the biggest challenge is, is really scaling and maintaining those current KPIs, which is a common challenge. Anybody that's managed an internal SDR team could sympathize with getting an individual in and shortening that learning curve as quickly as possible so that way they're generating you know, revenue and earning their keep. I would say this is the biggest challenge there. That also goes back to that scaling aspect, you know, which we mentioned before. On the email front, I would say it's just the time it takes to dedicate to operating a truly effective email campaign is often restrictive to what they can contribute to it. They're buying a list or pulling a list, and they're going to get a percentage of possibly bad data. That's just, again, a waste of time there. Um, They're building out their copy, their email. They're doing a lot of trial and errors and investing a lot of time and resources and revenue into it, but generally not seeing the overall results that come with it. So, you know, that's where MarketJoy comes in is we're able to take over all that heavy lifting, regardless of startup or enterprise in this front, take over that heavy lifting, do the data build out, do the cadences and manage the cadences that we know work, utilize the email copies and cadences that play off each other, that engage an individual and get them to respond. So it seems kind of like a water faucet you can turn off and on alongside your existing sales team if somebody wants to, you know, work with market joy to improve their efforts. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one thing that I've always been a huge fan of is scalability. When I'm building out a project or a campaign, it's not so much how can I get these four or five people up to a viable KPI. I mean, obviously that's part of it, but how am I going to get that sixth, seventh, and eighth person up? And with an email-driven campaign, what we find is a couple of things. One is that it's easy to scale. Everything is template-driven, process-driven. So if we're working alongside a client that has an internal SDR team and they need a certain number of sales meetings to hit their end-of-quarter goals and their team, it just doesn't, their, it overwhelms the capacity of their internal team, it's easy for MarketJoy to add an agent, add two agents, the learning curve is pretty much 24 hours as they start sending those emails and duplicate and scale, help that client hit those sales meetings, hit their goals. But then when that quarter is hit, it's easy for us to scale back down. So you're not sitting there looking at new headcount that now you might not necessarily need. So it is much easier to scale in that capacity on an email front. So it's much easier option than hiring new people building out a new team, training them, and making sure that you can keep them busy um, while work fluctuates. Correct. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a good example, here we are the end of Q3. There's companies out there that have fallen short on their goals, and they realized that they needed more sales meetings than their team had the capacity to really generate maybe, you know, because on lead gen, you can't push, you have to uncover. So a team can only uncover so many leads in a period of time. So let's say in that hypothetical situation now, the company realizes that they need a bigger SDR team. Well, even if they start today, they're going to run ads, they're going to start interviewing, probably interview throughout the next couple of weeks, bring on a couple of folks that sound good, realize that a couple of them didn't live up to their resume, realize a couple other ones don't work out, you know, hire three to get one, start getting them up to speed. So now, even though you've started at the beginning of this quarter, you're going to be well into, you know, uh, middle of November, end of November before that agent really starts clicking a little bit, and then they're going to hit the holidays. So at the end of the day, they're going to end up at the end of Q4 in the same situation. Granted, by then, they'll be ready, hopefully, for Q1 of 2019, but you lost the whole quarter. Whereas with MarketJoy, it would be nothing for us to add a rep, add two reps, generate those hand raiser leads that keep the sales machine going, offset what that rep is going to represent in volume, but give it to you instantaneously. Now, when that rep gets up to speed, middle of November, end of November, that's great for them and your team, but you're also not behind and you've actually achieved your goals because MarketJoy was able to scale in 24 hours and begin generating those additional hand raisers for you. Awesome, awesome. We're running short on time here, Curtis, but where can the listeners get in touch with you about MarketJoy, maybe ask you questions about the service? Where can people reach you? Sure, absolutely. Um, Everything uh, MarketJoy can be found at www.marketjoy.com. There's good explanation of the products and services, case studies, customer feedback, et cetera. My email address as well is Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-S, at marketjoy.com. And I'm always available. Does not have to be a question about how much are your services. It can be a question about your internal team, your current process. 
I love speaking to other lead gen managers and folks that are in this industry. So network away, you know, always open for conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks very much for joining me today, Curtis. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Thanks for having us. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.